warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam, waalaikumsalam. How are you, brother? Alhamdulillah, very well, thank you. How are yourself? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Uh, brother Mubarak, before you commence today's topic, can you kindly share with our viewers your background, your experience from your education and your employment? Um, so our viewers get a glimpse of where you are right now and how you got there. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, if I may, I'm just going to share my screen. So I've got, I've got a few slides um, prepared about that. So um, as I was saying to you guys earlier, I was actually uh, born and raised in Bolton. So, uh, some of you may know me. Um, um, I'm local to uh, the Masjid in Islam. Um, that was my local masjid. And I studied there uh, in the Madrasa for a few years. Um, as of about seven years ago, uh, I moved to Manchester with my family and I've been working in Manchester um, as well for that period of time. Um, there's Masjid Nur Islam as well. Um, in terms of my career, um, well, let's, let's step back. Before I start my career, in terms, in terms of my academic background, I was schooled in Bolton, primary, secondary school, sixth form. I went to Turton sixth form and then I went to university to study mathematics for three years. And um, at the end of my sort of uh, university time, I hadn't actually, I hadn't planned out my future sort of professional career, um, you know, too far into the future. So at the end of university, I wasn't sure what I know um, with my maths background and um, any sort of skills and knowledge and um, uh, experience that I'd picked up through doing mathematics and sciences through my, uh, in my academic career, I thought it'd be useful to apply it in the finance world. So I applied for PwC um, uh, in through the uh, graduate scheme for audit, as you mentioned. Um, and then, uh, so I finished the graduate scheme with PwC um, in three years. I stayed on further for another two and a half years um, with PwC. I did an internal secondment to one of our um, offices in London. Um, uh, and then um, shortly after the end of that secondment, I joined Santander. So I was looking to move outside of uh, PwC anyway, um, at some point in the future. Um, and uh, when I found the role at Santander, I joined them as a financial analyst. Um, and that really is sort of doing reporting around performance, um, income and balance sheet and margins, for example, of the bank. Um, and I was specific, I am still specifically based in the corporate and commercial side of Santander. So that's the the part of the bank that deals with medium to large companies uh, up to the very largest of corporate businesses as well um, and that is uh, opposed to the retail part of the bank that deals with it with individuals like us and also um, smaller businesses um, and that's a, a short uh, sort of summary of my career to date uh, i've been at santander for almost seven years now and, and i still am a finance manager at santander subhanallah mashallah um um, to be honest with you, I've been looking forward to this session um, specifically for the uh, reason is a lot of parents are unaware of the opportunities that the big four provide um, from for children at, um, finishing GCSEs, A-levels yeah. and yeah. graduating at university. So hopefully um, a lot of parents and students will gain a lot of uh, information from this session. Um, by all means, the, um, the stage is yours. You can uh, take, take it away. Jazakallah khair. Um, inshallah, yes. Yeah, so hopefully it'll be beneficial to all of all of our uh, viewers today. Um, and uh, I think yet yeah, definitely there is underrepresentation in in general 
um, in finance from our sort of uh, Asian community or our Muslim faith people. So um, we often don't think of it as a, an industry to um, explore and see if we'd sort of fit in there or it, it is suit us. Um, so definitely worth considering if, um, yeah, if you like this talk, I suppose. Um, and sorry, and then continue, continuing about myself a little more in terms of my interests. Um, I'm a big fan of road cycling. Um, I try to do uh, some long cycles, um, organized cycles every year. Um, and also I am a big fan of, um, sort of the outdoors. So I love hiking and going for long walks in the national parks. Um, and uh, again, also in my sort of spare time, I do um, volunteer for some local um, organizations and charities, um, faith-based charities um, that are working with our Muslim communities in and around Bolton, Manchester and Liverpool as well. Um, and it's worth noting that um, I volunteer for them in a financial capacity. So my finance career has also, alhamdulillah, let me, allowed me to um, serve our, our Muslim communities um, and serve our deen as well, alhamdulillah. Um, so let's let's uh, sort of start the talk. Um, the target audience for this talk um, is anybody sort of who's doing GCSEs, preparing for GCSEs, or doing A-levels or is at university, um, or even um, if you're past university and you're sort of at a later stage in your career, um, but you've got a university degree, then you can also apply to the big four on the graduate scheme. Okay, that might surprise you, but we'll talk a bit more about that later on. Um, so the target audience is, is almost anybody, um, so 14 onwards, but the majority of people that apply to um, the graduate schemes are people that are just leaving university. Um, so the, 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 sort of the primary target audience are those people that are roughly between the ages of 15 and maybe 23, 24. Um, and we're going to start with the basics. So I'm going to assume there's no prior knowledge about, you know, finance or the big four, just sort of to bring everybody on board. Because I remember when I was um, doing my, uh, just leaving university, for example, I knew roughly what finance was, but didn't know much about what audit was and what the big four were, et cetera. So I'll bring you all up to speed and then I'll we'll go a bit more in, in detail about the actual graduate schemes themselves. So what is finance? Um, if you look it up in the dictionary uh, and uh, as a noun, you might find that finance is the management of large amounts of money, especially by governments or large, or large companies. So as you can see, it's a pretty broad definition. And really, the world of finance um, is a pretty broad world. You can do lots of different types of roles in finance. It's not as um, they're not all the same. Um, and they can really vary and it can suit different types of people. And so that's one thing, firstly, to appreciate that finance doesn't mean that you're just an accountant and everybody's doing the same job. Okay. Um, and another sort of uh, more flowery um, definition I found on the internet is that finance can be defined as the science and art of managing money. Um, something in common with the, uh, the first definition, it's about money, it's about managing money, it's about knowing um, so how much money a company might have or a business might have and what they're going to do with the money. Um, and it's important here where the definition mentions science and art. Um, although finance and when we talk about money, you're talking about numbers mostly, which is where the science part comes in. Um, and you, you need sort of the numbers to be accurate and precise. Also part of finance, that there, there is a lot of judgment involved in certain roles more than others. Um, a lot of subjectivity as well. Um, and a lot of, sort of assumptions involved. Um, and that's where the art side of it comes in. 
of, of working in finance. Okay, so it's a pretty broad world when it comes to the world of finance. Um, what are the big four in that um, then? So the big four listed here, um, you've got PricewaterhouseCoopers, often refer referred to as PwC, Ernst & Young, often um, just EY is used, Deloitte & Touche, or just Deloitte, and KPMG, um, which has a long German name, um, so I'll just call it KPMG. Um, and these are the four largest professional services firms in the world in terms of their market share um, and in terms of sort of their global uh, revenue um, from the professional services sector. Um, the four of these are comparable in size um, and sort of uh, in terms of their workforce as well, they are comparable. Um, and they're comparable in terms of the service they provide as well um, to other sort of uh, companies. So we're going to talk more about audit um, in this presentation, but they also do provide a broad range of services, taxation, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, management consulting, actuarial services, which is uh, anything to do with pensions. Um, they provide corporate finance services as well, which is um, about um, how large corporate companies um, structure their finances, especially around when they're sort of merging and, and acquiring other businesses as well. And they will also provide legal advice too. And this is just sort of a summary of some of the main departments. Um, and, and some uh, other, some of these more than others might have other smaller departments as well um, of services they provide to the professional services industry. Um, each of these will have a graduate scheme um, in each of the sort of specific departments. So there'll be a tax graduate scheme. There might be an actuarial graduate scheme. Um, not all of them will have a graduate scheme. Um, so some of them might um, take on experienced hires. Uh, for example, sometimes for corporate finance, you can't get into a graduate scheme for corporate finance, but if you complete the audit graduate scheme, then you can um, transfer to the corporate finance department. So those kind of routes are possible. Um, and just to sort of show you the dominance that these big four have uh, in terms of the, um, the industry. If you look at the FTSE 100 companies, so the top 100 companies listed uh, under the Financial Times index, then 99% um, of these are audited by one of the big four. Okay, so that's literally 99 out of the 100 companies are audited by one of the big four. And then if you look at the FTSE 250, then 96% of them um, are audited by one of the big four. So as you can imagine, they have a massive dominance of the, um, the larger corporate businesses. And this is because of the, the service that they provide and the excellence of it. Um, now to show, sort of show you a comparison of where the big four sit compared to the rest of them. This is a chart showing a global revenue of the top seven uh, professional services firms. And as I said, the big four stand out they're somewhat comparable. Their revenues are between 20 billion and uh, sort of 36, 37 billion of um, uh, billion pounds uh, rather. And um, the fifth largest company, which is BDO, is only at 7.4. So that's less than a third the size of KPMG. And similarly, if you look at the uh, professional services firms in the UK, the big four are the same, uh, the same four. Okay, so it's PwC, Deloitte, EY, and KPMG once again. BDO is still in fifth position, 
um, and it's only at 0.6 billion of revenue compared to KPMG, which is 2.3. And um, you can see that clearly it's, it's less than a quarter of the size of KPMG. The difference between the big four really and the other of uh, other companies in the top 10, because the other companies do also provide graduate schemes. The main difference is um, the experience and the quality of training that you get from the big four cannot be found really anywhere else. And the career boost that it gives you cannot be found with the other smaller um, companies in the top 10. And we, we'll talk more about what you get from going through the big four graduate scheme later on as well. So what is the graduate or the audit graduate scheme? Okay, so audit is a, is a general sort of term, uh, means sort of to check something or review something. But here we're specifically talking about statutory audits in most cases. And this is where there's a legal requirement um, in the UK for companies that meet certain criteria of turnover and um, of employees that they need a statutory audit performed by um, independent auditors. And the job of these auditors is to review the company's financial statements, typically including an income statement and a balance sheet and perhaps even a cash flow. And they need to um, sign off on the accuracy and completeness of these statements. Excuse me. Um, and the auditor's job is to basically sign off to say whether they are a true representation um, of the company's performance and position, and whether they are a fair representation of the performance and position. Um, the graduate scheme um, tip is, is a three-year training contract, basically. Um, you're employed by the uh, firm for three years, you're set through, you're put through some training as well, um, you go to college for your tuition, you do your exams, you qualify as a chartered accountant under the audit graduate scheme and, and under the tax graduate scheme as well. And really it's open to anybody with a university degree. Okay, so it doesn't mean that you have to join straight after university. When I was um, a, on the graduate scheme, there were other, other uh, trainees with me that um, had joined from other careers. Okay, so there's one lady who was a, a lecturer in English, English language at the University of Cambridge. And then she joined and she'd done that for a few years and she was in her sort of late 30s when she joined the PwC um, audit scheme. Um, and there was also another brother who um, after university he went abroad to study, um, study the dean in Egypt for a few years. He came back and then joined the graduate scheme as well. And there's, there was a few other examples as, as well of where people had, had, um, had a change in career to join the graduate scheme so um, you don't have to um, like I say you don't have to do it straight after university um, so if you wanted to apply for the graduate scheme what do you need to apply um, it's worth bearing in mind that the criteria for application are currently more relaxed than, than they'd uh, than they have ever been in the past um, to increase diversity of the workforce, basically, that, that is the, um, the idea. Um, there's there's sort of a, a current sort of modern philosophy in uh, human resourcing that the more diverse your workforce is, the more inclusive it is, the better it will perform and the more successful it is. So the big corporates are largely, uh, are usually in the forefront of adopting these new um, philosophies and methodologies. Um, and they try to make their workforce as diverse as possible in terms of genders, 
background, ethnicities, faiths, etc. In the past, about maybe 10 years ago, um, when I was applying, there was a minimum requirement for A-levels. I think at the time it was an A and two Bs required for A-level to apply. You'd, you need a 2-1 or be on, and be on track for a 2-1 um, at degree level to apply, otherwise you couldn't apply. Um, and you also needed to pass some online tests and stuff. Now, if you take Ernst & Young, for example, there's no minimum criteria for A-levels. There's no minimum degree grade either. You can still apply with, with even if you got a third, um, as long as you passed. Um, and you don't need to have had some past work experience, um, but you need to do some online assessments. So this is good news in general for those people that might not have the best A-levels and might not have the best academic career. If they're not the, the brightest person when it comes to passing exams and sort of, you know, um, getting the highest grades, this is good news. But what this means is that there's a wider pool of applicants. So for each um, position in the training scheme, there's more applicants, so it's almost harder to get in. Um, and you also, it's worth bearing in mind that you don't need an, a background in accounting or finance. You don't need to have done accounting or finance at A-level, and you don't need to have done something that's accounting related or finance related or even maths related at degree level. Whilst I did do maths and, and I applied for the scheme, um, other people in my training scheme at the, at the same time as me, some had done engineering, others had done sort of English literature, others had done art. Um, so it really doesn't matter what discipline um, you took in, in, in doing your degree. And uh, there was even one, um, one lady who'd done medicine and then decided to drop out of medicine and uh, go into the world of finance. And then she, she joined um, uh, one of the big four as well. So it really, you, you can really apply um, from any discipline um, as long as you do have a degree um, so what we want to say here is that yes yes the the application criteria are more relaxed and um, it's easier to apply and it's easier for your application to be reviewed um, but it doesn't mean you're going to get a place you still need to sort of justify um, and um, explain why you might not have got the best a levels and why you might not have got the highest degree and it, it's not it's not as though um, you would be automatically assumed to be not suitable, but there may well be people with reasons. Um, so they give you a chance to come in for an interview and go through the assessments. Um, so what is the application process? If you decide to apply and you get past this stage, you have some A-levels and you have a degree, what's the process of application um, onto the graduate scheme? It, it varies from firm to firm, but generally you have an online, online application to complete. Um, and that will include uploading a CV. Um, incidentally, um, Team Hope did a, a really good uh, presentation. Um, when I think it was the first one done by Brother Muhammad Ali uh, on uh, how to prepare an outstanding or a standout CV. I definitely recommend um, watching that. Um, I watched that myself as well. And uh, improve your CV, get it to the best standard before you upload it into this application portal. Um, also, as part of your online application, you'll have to fill in um, some questions around your experiences um, and your competencies. Um, so, for example, you might have a question around, um, you might have to give an example around where you'd have, where you've led a team to success or where you've, um, where you've had a really sort of um, challenging task to complete and how you went about 
completing it or where you had um, competing priorities on your time um, and how you how you uh, went about meeting those priorities and managing your time um, effectively. So those kind of questions might come up, might come up um, as part of your online application. And um, you can draw experiences really from any part of life. It doesn't have to be, you know, from past jobs. Or it doesn't have to be from uh, uni your university career. You can talk about sport, for example, or you can talk about any particular hobbies that you might have, as long as it is uh, a genuine and a good response to the questions. Okay. And the third part you have typically on the, on the online applications um, are psychometric tests or, or, or online assessments. Typically, you'll have two or three of these where they try to um, gauge how you perform on um, sort of finding mathematical patterns um, and say um, how your sort of language skills are, so how well you can read um, a few paragraphs and comprehend the information within um, and then answer some sort of uh, related questions. And th this is an important part of the assessment because um, what you sort of achieve in your degree and what, what your sort of um, your past experiences are, they're hard to compare from applicant to applicant. Okay, um, getting a, a two one or a first in one particular degree at a particular university um, doesn't mean that you're automatically better than somebody else because they might have done a harder course and might have done it at a harder university. Um, so, but but the online psychometric test because everybody does the same test. Um, it's easier to compare people and um, it, it, the, the tests are also sort of designed to remove any bias um, from culture, ethnicity or background, for example. So they kind of try to sort of uh, make them as, as commonsensical, if that's a word, as possible. If you get past the online application stage, then you'll be invited to a first stage interview with um, typically a manager, so a mid-management level person um, in the firm. And the interview, at the interview, they'll try to um, understand why you applied um, and uh, what your background is um, and what sort of how you are as a person, what your sort of what your personality is like, um, what your character is like, whether you'd fit in to the firm, whether you're, you're suitable for the graduate audit scheme in terms of the challenges um, that it presents and uh, what kind of person it requires. Um, so, and if you, if you get past that first stage as well, um, then the second stage is usually an assessment day. Um, and then this will be usually a four or five hour day that you're called to one of the offices. Um, and it will consist of multiple parts, typically a group exercise where there are a number of applicants um, on the day. Uh, maybe five or six of you will be put into a group exercise where you have to read um, a portfolio around a project perhaps, and then discuss um, things bet uh, uh, between yourselves as a group and answer some particular uh, answer some specific questions around that project. That day will also include uh, a partner interview. You know, a partner is somebody who actually has a share in um, a PwC office, um, and they will ultimately make the decision on whether you get hired or not. So, if on the day you you're going to succeed and give your best at any part of the day make sure it's the partner interview because if you if you impress the partner then you probably get hired even if perhaps you don't do as well in the group exercise um, and the partners generally are really good at um working out what someone working out what somebody is like okay they've got lots of experience with um, at dealing with people they will have done lots of these interviews because you wouldn't get to a partner in pwc 
you know, without doing maybe 10 or so years at PwC. So they will have done lots of interviews of, uh, of uh, trainees and graduates. So they've got lots of experience. So if you put up a front and pretend to be somebody else, then you, you'd probably get found out. So my advice would be to sort of try to be as honest as possible and be your best, try to relax um, and uh, get the partner to like you as a person um, because it's not just about your, um, your academic achievements. And finally, the third thing that you'll have to do is a repeat of your online tests. And this is just to make sure that um, uh, when you did the online ones from home, that it was really yourself doing them. Sometimes people are a bit cheeky. They might get their best friend who's really good at doing online tests um, to do the test for them. Um, and then when they actually do it themselves in person, uh, if they get to the second stage, they perform a lot worse. And that'll sort of be a red flag for the um, the recruitment team that perhaps you weren't the first the person that did the test the first time online and you may get um, not sort of hired on that basis so i'd recommend um, practicing the tests beforehand and you can get examples of doing online uh, of psychometric tests online as well as that um, usually when you're applying online the um, the company that let's say pwc they'll give you some example tests and example questions that you can practice on just to get familiar with the format of the test before you actually do the real test. So make sure you're really comfortable with um, how to do the test, make sure you get your practice done beforehand. So when you do it online, you perform as well as you can. And when you repeat it on site, um, if you get to the second stage, then you know you, you do again as, again as well as you can. Um, so this is typically the application process. Um, one thing also to mention, is that um, there is another sort of back route onto the graduate scheme, okay? And that is the summer internship um, that is available um, usually to um, students that are still at university. Um, and I'm sure the big four um, offer this as well as some of the um, other companies in the top 10 offer a summer internship. And this is basically between your ultimate year and your penultimate year. So if it's a three year course after your second year of university finishes, um, in that summer holiday, you can do a six-week um, internship in the audit department. Um, and um, they will sort of show you the ropes, um, so to speak, um, teach you a little about audit, give you a, a bit of a rounded experience as to what the audit world is like within the time of six weeks. Okay. And um, if you perform well and you like, you like the audit role and you want to apply for the graduate scheme, um, and um, they like you as well, then they will automatically give you a place on the graduate scheme. So that you, you can almost treat that into an interview in and of itself. Because um, if you do well at it uh, and they like you as well, then, that, then they'll automatically um, give you a place on the graduate scheme. So you don't have to go through this application process for the graduate scheme. However, you will still have to go through a similar application process for the summer internship itself. Okay. In terms of timing for the applications as well, um, they do actually start quite early. Um, the graduates, the graduate schemes, the actual uh, contract of employment starts around September, usually in the first week of September. But you have to really apply 12 months in advance. Okay, it's not as though you can apply in July and start in September. You apply 12 months in advance. Um, the deadlines for applications are usually around October of the year before, and that's because, um, as we said before, most applicants will be from university. They might be um, in their university campuses away from home, away from their 
office or that of application. And it's, it'll be hard for them to travel for interview days and assessment days um, whilst they're at university. So typically, application deadlines are in October. So whilst you're at university, and then when you when um, those students um, that have applied when they're back at home um, for their Christmas break, that's when the interviews are held. Um, so when I was at university, I travelled back. I was home uh, in uh, sort of the December January time, and I had my first stage interview, second stage interview in that period. And then I went back to university to complete my second term and third term of university. Um, and then after the summer holidays, I started my uh, contract in September. You would find out after you've done your um, assessments, first stage and second stage, you kind of find out whether you've got an offer or not almost immediately. So before I started university again in January, um, I, I'd, I'd, I had been offered a uh, place on the um, graduate audit scheme in, in the coming September. And typically, if you haven't finished your degree yet, it'll be um, subjective to a, a particular um, graded degree if that is uh, one of the application criteria. So uh, my, uh, um, when I did, when I got my application, it was um, uh, when I got the offer, it was subject to getting a two on at university. So that's something to bear in mind because a lot of people don't realize if they haven't looked at it in advance that the um, application deadline for the September start is actually 12 months before the start date. Um, also, we're talking about a September start here, which is the main uh, the main sort of start point for the graduate schemes. But some firms might also have an April start as well. So giving us sort of another sort of uh, six, seven months delay, um, they, they will have a, a, um, a later deadline for application. But also there are fewer places available on the April start as well. So it's worth bearing that in mind. Um, so if you do apply, then how would you be successful? Okay. So it's worth remembering that the firm basically wants to assess your strengths and your future potential. It's not just about your academic achievements to date. Okay. You might have got all A's at GCSE and A level and, you know, be on track for a really um, good score. Um, your degree as well but it doesn't mean that the audit scheme is for you okay even though you might be a, um, a really sort of high flyer in terms of academic achievements um, likewise the opposite you might not be a high flyer but you might have the right personality and character um, for or to be successful in the audit scheme okay so just bear that in mind to be successful you need to sort of really show your personality and your character and that will come out um, at the interview stage and the, your questions will be around um, different sort of character traits. I, mean, I remember one of the questions that I got was, you know, um, if you were the manager of a team, an audit team, for example, um, on site and one of your team members, junior team members wanted to leave early, um, you know, two hours early one day, what would you say? Okay, um, so there's no particular right or wrong answer but they want to see how you'd sort of deal with that kind of situation and why. Um, so would you be the type of person that would say, um, no, you can't leave early. You need to do your fixed hours for the day and make sure you finish your hours and then leave at half five. Or would you be more flexible and say, um, okay, well, if your work for that day is done and you've not got any other sort of uh, urgent work that needs to be completed, then you're allowed to leave early. Maybe you have an appointment, maybe, maybe something else. Would you ask, where they want to go or would you not ask um, 
and uh, and whether or what would you, what would you do if uh, you know that becomes a regular occurrence, for example. So those kind of things would sort of draw out to what kind of person you are, what kind of leader you'd be in a team. Um, and also it's important to have interests outside of work, outside of your academic studies. Okay, so um, that really adds more depth to depth to your personality, whether you have, you know, hobbies or do you do any, so do you play any sports competitively? Um, do you have any other interests? Um, these questions will will definitely, almost definitely be asked at your interview stage. So have, have answers ready. And if you don't have interests, I'd say find some interests because um, I'm sure, you know, now, especially in lockdown, uh, we've all got a bit of extra time um, to um, sort of find some new hobbies um, and something that would sort of develop us personally as well. And the final thing is, you might be a, an incredible person in terms of your personality and character, and you might have really good interests, but um, what do you know about the finance world? Okay, you don't have to know about audit per se, you don't have to be an auditor, because the training scheme is going to make you into an auditor, they're going to teach you how to do an audit. So you don't have to go into an interview and say how you have to do an audit. But they expect you to have some kind of interest in the financial world. Okay, if you're completely clueless about the UK economy, you're completely clueless about, you know, how, um, let's say, you know, in current affairs, how the pandemic is affecting businesses, how the pandemic is affecting the economy, then they'd question whether the graduate audit scheme is right for you, because you're working in the finance world, you'll be dealing with um, clients of PwC, for example, um, that are businesses, and they, they expect you to have some kind of interest um, in the financial world. Um, so to, to do that, it's not it's not that hard. If you don't have, um, if you're not that knowledgeable, you don't sort of, um, you don't have a background in finance, you don't have to read lots of books or you don't have to have you know studied business or something at university um, all you have to sort of do is um, slowly work away at it so i'd recommend something like you know reading maybe um, the finance pages from a newspaper um, every week um, even set your home page on your browser perhaps to you know the the business page or the economy page on the bbc website so um, subconsciously even without you know um, trying whenever you log on to your browser or whatever you might see an, an article or something that pops out at you uh, and, and reads read things from time to time as well so um, almost almost definitely at the next sort of interview stages you would be asked about you know uh, how, how you think different industry different industries coped during the pandemic um, how, how, how you think you know the hospitality industry would you know whether that industry would bounce back after the pandemic or not um, what the travel industries, the tourist industries, how they were affected, and, and sort of which industries weren't affected, whether you have any insight or any um, opinion on those kind of things. There's not always a right or wrong answer, but they, are, they want you to sort of think around questions and offer some opinion, you, even though it might be wrong, but uh, you, they want you to have an opinion sometimes and to sort of demonstrate that you have thought about things. Um, so what does the role actually involve? Suppose now you actually got onto the, the graduate audit scheme. What would you do? What does your role involve? Um, so the scheme involves um, studying towards your chartered accountancy qualification. Okay. Now the good thing is that um, the big four will send you off to um, professional colleges for your college tuition. 
okay so your professional tuition you'll have dedicated um time or usually sort of a few weeks that you go to a uh, professional uh, professional qualifications college college instead of your office and you'll be um taught there whatever exams that you need to call it um, uh, sits you'll be taught the material for that and at the end of that period you will do your exams usually when you start um your graduate scheme the first six weeks you don't go to the office and you're not you're not part of it um you're not actually doing any audit work you go straight to um college and you do your first sort of six or so exams um as part of uh your qualification the first few exams are usually the easier ones some some exams will involve direct tuition at college some exams will be um, home study. The material will be provided to you by the college as part of the, the wider course, but it will be um, home study driven. Um, the college tuition and the exams for uh, exams will be paid for by the big four as well. So that's a big bonus. Um, you don't really have to pay for anything unless you're resitting exams. The first exam is, is paid for and it's free. Um, and then resits cost anything between you know, four hundred pounds to eight hundred pounds, depending on which exam you're sort of you're resitting. Okay. The work also involves when you're actually doing the audit work, you're working in lots of different teams. Okay. Uh, most jobs, generally in any industry, will involve you working in a team. But um, this particular role in audit, you won't just be working in a team. You'll be working in lots of different teams. Um, so you might be working in one particular team for two weeks. And then you'll go to another job where you'll work um, under another team and it might be a different size team as well with different managers, different seniors. So you'll, you'll constantly be making sort of new friends and new colleagues. Uh, and that can sometimes be not suitable for some people. Some people like to, you know, be settled and, um, you know, not have that much social interaction and be always sort of meeting new team members. And working in different teams so it's worth thinking about whether this role is for you if you like a more stable routine job okay but in this role you'll be working with lots of different teams uh, of different sizes um, and different different sort of shapes and different places as well you do lots of communicating lots of speaking to senior managers partners as well um, and you have to speak to client staff as well so every time you do an audit for example of, of a different um, client that the big four have you have new client staff to deal with okay um so you need to be familiar you need to be good in terms of social skills you need to be you need to know how to be pleasant um how to not annoy client staff some clients find the presence of auditors on site um a bit annoying let's say or um uh, inconvenient uh, to say the least so you need to be able to deal with the, those kind of staff in in a good way because you're basically representing pwc or one of the big four when you go out to a, a client site so you have to you have to be the best you can be also um, especially in the audit scheme there's a lot of commuting involved a lot of traveling involved to different client sites okay when you're actually doing the audit work you're not you tend not to be in the office you have to go out to wherever your clients base so when i was uh, on the audit scheme and um, i was living in bolton most jobs would be around the northwest okay but some jobs would be a bit further afield um so i remember i had i had one job that was um, in bradford for about two weeks every year okay i had one jobs that i had one job that i had to travel to milton Keynes for um so that that was an away job you have sometimes away jobs as well and away job being is uh, an, an away job is where you stay away at a hotel for three nights or four nights in the week 
Um, but for example, on the Bradford job, that wasn't an away job. That was a job that you'd expect to commute to uh, and from every day. Okay, so that was about a one and a half hour drive to Bradford and from Bradford back to Bolton through rush hour. And that's just a normal, you know, a normal job. It's quite expected. So during my time in audit, for anybody that drives, um, during my time in audit, I must have clocked about 15 to 18,000 miles on my car, just from uh, most of that will be from uh, driving for work reasons. Um, whereas compared to now, where my job is with Santander is from a fixed office uh, before the pandemic it was anyway, um, I, I travel about 8,000 miles a year. So a lot less than, um, so you can say roughly another 10,000 just from doing the audit role. So you have to be comfortable with, with traveling to different different sites and working long hours. Um, and I guess the, 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 there needs to be stress on the amount of hours that you work. Um, it is hard work um, going through the training scheme for um, audit. And it's to be the same presumably for um, other graduate schemes as well, so in tax and in actuarial. Um, also long hours are required, but um, it's worth noting that in, in tax and in actuarial services, for example, um, there's not as much traveling involved. So you wouldn't be based at the client site, for uh, for example. Um, you might be traveling to the client maybe once a week or once every two weeks, but you can do a lot of the job uh, from, uh, from the office itself. Whereas for audit, most of the work um, you have to be on. Okay. Um, and sorry, I was mentioning on the um, the long hours and hard work that's required. So that should not be underestimated. Okay, um, you often work. You can say antisocial hours. You um, have to work. Um, you're expected to work into the evenings sometimes. Sometimes some extra extra work on weekends. Um, the office you, you'll have access to your office um, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. You'll have access to the office, although your contractual working hours will be usually nine to half five, Monday to Friday, it'll be rare that you actually work just those hours and you don't work past half five. Um, but this is a sacrifice that if, if you uh, want to qualify as a chartered accountant and want to get the training um, done with um, the uh, big four, then it's a sacrifice that needs to be made. Um, and, and this is sort of, it's expected because you have short reporting deadlines typically um, when it comes to audit work. Um, when I was at PwC, um, there, we, we had a concept of busy season. And when I started in my first few years, busy season was sort of January, February and March. The first three months, typically uh, the, you're sort of, uh, the majority of clients might have their year end, financial year end at the end of December. So January, February and March will be the busier time of the year. But then towards the end of my time, then, you know, that three month became a six month period and then it became a nine month period because it just became busy all year round. And you, you can be busy in the middle of the summer as well, because some jobs are summer, have summer year ends. Um, and uh, that's what the, that's what the uh, reporting deadlines, that's when they are. So you can be busy at any time of the year and you'd be, you'd be expected to um, put the extra hours in to um, support the team and get the get the audit completed and over the line. Um, so to succeed, to succeed in the graduate audit scheme, um, you need to firstly pass all your exams. Okay, I mentioned before that if you fail, you can you can resit uh, at your own expense. You can resit, um, but passing exams is part of your um, performance 
uh, rating as well. So if you if you don't pass particular exams um, in a particular year, you might be held in that year of your training and you might have to repeat that year, for example. Um, but typically, I, I wouldn't worry that much. Um, roughly 80% of those in the big four, 80% of the, those in the big four will pass um, each exam in their first attempt. And almost everybody from the big four will pass the exam in the second attempt, if they take a second attempt. Um, because you're working in teams all the time, um, you need to be an effective team member to begin with. In the first two years, you'll probably be a team member and there'll be a, a, um, a, a senior audit team um, leader on site. But then in your third year, you'll start leading audit teams on your client site. So you need to um, be comfortable with being a team leader as well. You don't need to be an amazing team member or leader, a uh, team leader rather, um, from the point of applying for the job. But you need to um, you need to sort of pick up those skills as you're going through your training, and be comfortable with with leading teams, um, and sort of uh, achieving the team's objectives. Okay, um, you need uh, good verbal and written communication skills as well. Um, you'll be sending sort of plenty of emails to your own managers as well as the clients as well. Um, they need to be well written, and when you're speaking to clients and when you're speaking to your own managers, you need to be able to communicate clearly and precisely as well. And as we said before, because you're meeting so many new people throughout the year, um, you don't have a fixed team um, uh, in audit as well. And uh, you don't also have a, um, uh, sorry, because, because you're always meeting new clients throughout the year, you need good social skills as well. You need to be a, a, not just good social skills, but you need to be a, a, a sociable person. Um, and also, I guess, to, um, to really succeed within the training scheme, and to set yourself apart from other trainees, you need a proactive attitude. Okay, it's it, this is the kind of role, and in the big four, you won't get pushed that much to go above and beyond what your base requirement is for your role. Okay, um, if you just do your, just get the audit done, and nothing else, then you'll probably get a satisfactory performance rating at the end of each year, but you won't stand out from the crowd. To stand out, you need to be more proactive. You need to look for opportunities. When you're, say, when you're a first year on the scheme, you need to look for opportunities and ask to do some um, tasks that a second year would do. And when you're a second year, ask to do tasks that a third year would do. And also maybe look um, around the office. Uh, maybe you can get involved in um, giving presentations to your department internally, as well as sharing any particular skills or experiences that you might have. Um, as you go through your training, if you get maybe very proficient as, at using Excel, for example, then maybe you can hold um, Excel skills courses uh, for other trainees or more junior trainees. All of those things will set you apart from your other trainees and help you succeed um, in your training scheme as well as generally outside of your um, training contract as you progress through, through your career at, at one of the big four. And we mentioned before, you need to be uh, willing to travel um and um, sort of have long commutes as well it is very helpful to have a car okay i did mention that earlier but um having a car to travel to the travel to your different client sites will save a lot of time um you do get repaid for um the petrol um you can recharge that back to um, pwc and they'll sort of reimburse you for petrol costs if you don't have a car and not everybody does 
if you don't have a car, then you have to sort of use public transport and get yourself there, whatever way you do. And your sort of your train tickets or your bus tickets, etc., will be reimbursed by PwC as well. But don't forget, it'll add on time. Public transport isn't as quick as just getting in, your, in the car and driving from your door to the client's office. Um, I remember myself, I started and I did about six or seven months um, using public transport. And it was it was such a relief to have a, uh, when I bought a car um, seven months on because it just saved so much time. Um, so I definitely recommend to um, uh, learn to drive if you aren't, aren't uh, a, a driver yet and uh, see if you can see if you can get a car. Um, you can also um, when I was in PwC, they had a um, car scheme that they were offering to the employees. Um, so that would be available if you want to get a car, but you don't have um, large amounts of savings. Um, and then finally, um, as we mentioned before, you need a strong work ethic um, to succeed. You need to work hard, you need to be committed to the role, you need to sacrifice sometimes your time, sometimes your weekends, sometimes maybe, you know, um, your lunch, you know, work through lunch, work through a dinner. Um, if you do, I mean, they, they do look after you as well. So if you, if you for example, find yourself um, working in the office um, late into the evening, then there's policies around, um, you know, when PwC would um, reimburse you for your dinner and how much uh, and on what kind of limit they reimburse you for as well. Um, so if, if you end up working to 8 p.m., 9 p.m. in the office, etc., you can probably order some uh, a delivery or something to the office and recharge that um, so you don't have to pay for it. But that's just a, maybe a regular day. I remember some jobs that I was um, when I was at PwC that we were we were finishing at the client site, you know, at 7 p.m., 8 p.m. when the clients closing their offices and kicking us out. We then, as a team, drive back to our office, which was the Manchester office, and then work on, you know, past eight uh, from 8 p.m. until maybe, you know, midnight af and even after that. Um, and this is not just something that I was doing. It was being done as a team because certain deadlines needed to be met and certain work needed to be done by a particular time. Um, and it does your your contribution and your effort, your sacrifice does get appreciated. Um, it does get noticed. Um, so I wouldn't think that you 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 know you wouldn't get noticed, but if you you would also get get noticed if you weren't putting the effort in as well. So it, it's something that is a sacrifice that needs to be made um, to get through the graduate scheme. And then if you if you don't you know if you want a more stable job with more regular hours, then you can always. Um, look for a, uh, another job afterwards after you've qualified and you've, you've sort of complete, completed the three-year training scheme. But whilst you're in the scheme, the personal sacrifice, the dedication and commitment is really important. Um, so if you're doing all that, what do you get back as reward? Okay. So there's, there's sort of two types. There's, there's your financial, your cash remuneration that you'll get and general career benefits. When you're starting on the graduate scheme, um, I just checked with uh, one of uh, my uh, cousins who um, is, has just finished the graduate scheme, in fact. Um, the starting salary is about 21K. Okay, that'll be similar across the big four. Um, now, 21K, bearing in mind that, okay, 21K is not that high when it comes to graduate schemes, okay? If you're looking outside of um, audit graduate schemes, you might find um, generally, graduate schemes, maybe with lawyers or uh, other companies that offer graduate schemes that start around maybe 27K, 28K. Okay. But don't forget the big four uh, are giving you 21K, but they're paying for your college tuition as well. Um, and they're paying for your exams as well. 
and you ultimately qualify as a chartered accountant at the end of that. Other higher paying um, graduate schemes sometimes might not have a qualification that you finish with as well. Okay. The other thing that is, you know, not tangible um, in terms of uh, money is your sort of uh, the, your career benefits that you get from working with the big four. Okay. Um, once you put the big four name on your CV, that automatically stands you out. I uh, haven't been trained through the big four. They have a massive reputation. The other companies in the big 10. Um, so it's worth bearing in mind that whilst you might not be paid early stage, you get all these benefits that um, enhance your career. So like I said, starting on 21K, uh, your exams, um, you'll maybe get about 23K, 24K. Um, in your third year, 28K. This is all before you qualify. Exams within two years, basically, of the three-year contract. But as part of qualification, you also need to do a certain number of hours, um, which um, equates to roughly about three years with a, um, a qualified firm. And the big four will be uh, one of the qualified firms with the accountancy board. If you've done your three years and you become qualified and you're registered with um, one of the institutes or the boards of chartered accountancy, then your salary will, will have a will jump to about 38K as a qualified accountant. Um, in year four. Um, the training contract ends in, is, is only sort of three years long. It kind of rolls on. So if you, if you um, stay on at PwC or any one of the other um, four firms, you don't need to, you don't usually sign or um, a new contract. You, you're sort of, your contract rolls on. There's some terms that allows you to stay in employment after your um, three-year training. Um, so after after you've qualified, there's another, another promotion that you can have, and that is to um, an audit manager. You'd have to typically interview for them some of these positions, um, but not all not all firms will have an interview process for audit managers. Some of them might just promote you if you're performing well. Um, as an audit, eight to ten k pay rise, and additional benefits as well. Um, typically, you'd remain a, an audit manager for about three years. Um, and then if you're doing well in that role, you'd get promoted to a senior audit manager with a slightly higher salary. Um, and then another three or four years as a senior audit manager, you'd be interviewing for audit director roles, um, which are around 80K and, and, and again, some extra benefits as well. Um, and then after that, um, if you want, and, um, if you're successful, you can apply for partnership. Uh, and in partnership, you're talking sort of six figure salaries and it can sort of vary anything between uh, a few hundred k to pounds depending on on, on uh, how long you are as a partner okay so a few million pounds just is a lot it sounds like a lot okay um but i wouldn't and I, I wouldn't recommend anybody to join the audit scheme because they want to be a partner as such because there's no guarantee of getting to a partner stage um, but if you like the sound of audit and you want to be become a chartered accountant then i definitely recommend um joining one of the big four um, just for the quality of the training that you get, um, as well as the boost that, that um, it gives you to your, to your career afterwards as well. And then it, you'll, know, you'll know enough about um, the firm and what audit is like 
once you've done the audit scheme. And then, then you can choose whether you want to stay in audit or whether you want to sort of transfer to uh, another internal department or whether you um, so in, in addition to your base pay, you often also get some pension contribution as well. Um, it has to be fairly small, uh, the bonus, compared to what, what kind of bonuses you might get um, in industry outside of the um, big four. And sorry, industry, I mean like businesses um, that sell products and services that are not professional services. So, you know, a company that might be sort of, you know, uh, making boxes or, you know, um, uh, so if, if you go to work for, say, a school, for example, and, and work in their finance department, um, a service provider. And there's often um, other employee benefits as well. As I mentioned, there's a, there's usually a car scheme that you can get um, and maybe some of the sort of employee discounts that you can get as well. Um, uh, in terms of career benefits, um, I mentioned, sort of, you know, um, the big four. Even now, if I apply for a job now, having left PwC seven years ago and having 10 years, almost 10 years of post-qualification um, experience, if I apply for a job now, the fact that I have PwC on my CV makes me stand out from other candidates. So it really does add a lot of value to you as a, a uh, professional. Um, also within the big four, after you finish your college, after you finish your training, um, there are opportunities inside. I mentioned earlier that I did a um, six-month secondment to um, an internal department in London. Okay, and I recommend anybody who does um, go through the big four to seek opportunities internally as well, whether it's a secondment or a transfer to another department, you can go to tax, you can go to business recovery services. Um, they'll, they'll be in to get there, but I'd recommend just broadening your experiences a bit um, before you choose to leave um, one of the big four. Um, and the final benefit, and this is a, benefit, a, a, a sort of a benefit that the big four emphasize and sell to you is that um, you're working with, in the big four, you're working with a really sort of broad and vast network of really highly skilled and talented professionals. People that are the, effectively at the top of their game in terms of what they're doing. You'll have partners that are brilliant. You'll have managers that are brilliant. So it's a really good opportunity for you to learn from them, um, set them as your mentors, whether it be formally or informally, um, and learn sort of skills and how to progress and how to sort of be successful professionally. Um, from them as well. So that's something that also you can get from the big four, the smaller companies. Okay, so all those additional career benefits um, afford PwC and the like to pay you a little less because they know that paying you 21k in year one, they're adding a lot more value to yourself um, by giving you exceptional training and also um, putting their name on your CV means that your career, your career ha will have a sort of a more steeper trajectory than somebody who will have not trained with the big four. Um, and finally, um, I think I mentioned some of this, but this is um, opportunities outside, uh, sorry, after qualification, what can you do after you've qualified, after you've become a chartered accountant, what can you do? Um, you can either stay in the audit department and move up the ranks if you love audit. Um, if not, some people really don't like audit. Um, then you can um, look for um, internal secondment. So as I mentioned, you know, go to other departments, broaden your horizons a bit, broaden your knowledge, your experience, and that will also make you more um, 
uh, more employable if you leave uh, one of the big four and apply for a job somewhere else. So when I um, applied for Santander, the fact that, that I had done a six month secondment internally made me more employable because I wasn't I wasn't just somebody who, who uh, wasn't somebody that had just done audit, but I had also some experience internally within the big four in another department as well. Um, if you move outside of practice, there are a number of uh, different kind of roles. But as I said before, finance is really a really broad church. Um, so but the typical roles that you end up into, um, you can sort of do an internal audit role. Now, large companies will have an internal audit department, and um, this is where they have an internal team or an internal department that does part of the audit work that external auditors would do as well. Okay, so then you have some of a slight overlap between external audit work, which is what PwC would do, and what uh, an internal audit department would do. So you've got lots of um, transferable skills there. You can quite easily go from being an auditor with PwC, you can go from that to an internal audit department um, and use some of your knowledge and experience to start doing your job uh, without much training. Okay. You can also um, sort of work in other areas of finance. So you can go, sort of become a, a statutory accountant uh, if you don't like the statutory side of things. So if you're not somebody that likes following the rules of accounting, um, you can have you can be a management accountant, for example. So this is the type of role that I went into. Um, I, I was uh, an MI accountant um, and I did a bit of financial planning and analysis as well. Um, and if you don't want to do any to do any of that, you can even set up your own business, for example, um, set up your own practice because you are uh, you, you would be a qualified chartered accountant. You can set up your own business and um, provide professional services. Um, so I think that brings me to the end of this talk. Um, apologies, I've slightly overran. Um, but um, generally, if I sort of put it into summarize the, grad, uh, the graduate audit scheme, then really it's it's hard to get in. But if you prepare well and um, you give it your, your, your best, then you can get in. There, there are fewer barriers to application now. Um, so you should definitely apply if you're interested and you can get in once you're in. You, it, it requires a lot of hard work in terms of passing the exams as well as actually doing the audit work um, and putting the hours in as well, but it's definitely worth it. Um, and then it, it really op opens up a lot of doors for you after you qualify. Um, now, I, for example, um, as I mentioned, I, I went on to Santander and there were a few other opportunities that I had as well. And um, when I applied for Santander, I think the fact that I was uh, big board trained, I was, uh, I, I did also do a secondment um, within Santander, within PwC as well. That made me quite, quite um, employ employable um, with the role that I went into at, at Santander. And typically when you move from um, practice to industry, you would immediately almost get like a five to 10K pay rise. Okay. And um uh, and yeah, and again, as, as I mentioned, it's because PwC can afford to pay you a bit less just because of, that, of the extra benefits that they're providing to you, um, just because of the, they're one of the big four. Um, so now, um, thank you for listening. I can take some uh, questions if there are any. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Brother Mubarak. Really, really insightful. Uh, really, really insight insightful uh, webinar. And I was... Uh, similar to brother um, Farid Bhai. I was really looking forward to it because I'm also part of this uh, finance world and I'm also a chartered accountant, but uh, 
uh, went through the different route, but that's that's another uh, that's another topic for some other day. I've got some few questions both from Zoom and from uh, uh, YouTube, so I'll start off with the with the Zoom ones first, uh, go one by one, and hopefully we can uh, uh, take them uh, with the same. So the first one here is. Uh, can you share some insight regarding apprenticeship opportunities available in the big four? I think you covered the graduate scheme and you covered uh, the, the, the the summer scheme as well. I think this is more of apprenticeship, if any. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's worth looking on the websites. Um, they, the website is usually quite informative. They'll have a careers department. Um, in terms of apprenticeships, um, I think, well, if I remember correctly, when I was at PwC, they did have um, short-term apprenticeships as well um, and for them you would you could apply um, uh, before you start university or you know you don't have to start university you, um, you could apply after you do your A-levels okay um, and I think at the time um, the scheme was called the Head Start scheme something like that okay. uh, you have different names at different, at different firms but they do have um, apprenticeship schemes um, and again it'd be a, a somewhat similar interview process um, uh, and those that actually, um, those that join the apprenticeship scheme, they ultimately end up going through the graduate scheme as, uh, as well with some firms. Sometimes though, however, um, with the apprenticeship schemes, um, they, will, um, start, they will start you on uh, another set of exams basically. So I think sometimes you qualify as a, a technician first before you start doing your chartered accountancy examinations. But those um, those people that I know of that have gone through the apprentice schemes have done really well because they just have more experience, uh, uh, you know, of being at the firm. But you need to know, you need to know what you want to do at that age. Um, I, if I remember when I was you know, leaving uh, a, a, you know, college, uh, being 18, unless you, you're really certain of what you want to do and you want to be a chartered accountant, um, I'd say, you know, if there's, an opportunity to go to university, perhaps go to university as well and, and see what else is available for you. But if you really know what you want to do and this is what you want to do, then an apprenticeship scheme, apprenticeship scheme is a good start. And also you start getting paid from, from that stage as well. So it is, it is a good way into um, the big four as well. Okay, thank you very much, thank you. Uh, the next one here is how do I know which of the service lines should I pursue, i.e. tax audit consultancy? Um, I, I think the best thing to do is, is sort of research on the websites. Um, I, uh, I myself, I did the audit scheme, so I, I've I talked mostly about the audit scheme. Um, as you do your chartered accountancy, um, you will study some tax. And I think if you, if you um, join the tax graduate scheme, then you will also do the same exams and become a chartered accountant first before doing any more specific tax related um, examinations. But um, you know what's good is um, the uh, big four as well as some of the other smaller companies as well they'll hold careers uh, fairs at uh, the large universities around the country so i'd keep an eye out for those you can go um, there you can speak to um, you know the recruitment agents there um, and they'll they'll sort of present to you the different um, audit schemes uh, the different graduate schemes rather um, and i just interrupt there for a second um in regards to that question, I think most of the top, uh, the big four, they have a facility on their website where they ask you a few questions. Um, and from the questions that the, from your answers, it tells you where your strengths are in which, which category, which section, um, either it's from tax, audit, or, or from consulting. 
but um, but that's something that they all provide. That's all I've got to say. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And I guess I'd, I'd add on to that. I'd add on to that um, that, um, like I said before, after you've done uh, the graduate scheme in one of the departments, there's opportunities for transfers to other departments. Um, to get a broader experience. So you can transfer after doing audit, you can transfer to tax or transfer to business recovery or corporate finance, etc. Uh, and some departments will uh, only sort of take experienced hires on some might not have a graduate scheme. Um, and for those you, you sort of do the graduate scheme in audit, for example, then transfer as a qualified chartered accountant into, into the other departments. Okay, thank you. Um, another one here is, has it been easy to practice your religion whilst working in a demanding professional environment and do this organization support uh, religious commitments? Um, generally, alhamdulillah, yes. Yes. Um, you'll find um, at the big four, because as I mentioned before, they want to have a, quite a diverse workforce. Okay. So they don't want to put Muslims off or, you know, any people from other faiths off as well. Um, so... From the offices that I have been to, and of all the PwC offices that I've been to, they all had, had some kind of contemplation room, okay, which effectively is a prayer room, because <laughs> it's the Muslims that go there and pray, right, five times a day, you know, and it might be five times a day if you're doing the long hours <laughs> as well. So I think generally they're understanding. And because you have um, flexibility around the times that you work, it doesn't have to be a nine to five. You can take a break, go and do your prayers come back and you know just work a bit later um so typically it's, it's not a problem unless you have a specific meeting that you have to attend and you can't move it then you know i don't see why you can't go to pray for example you can't fast why there's no reason why you can't fast um the other sort of challenge that i'd say is that um the social scene i didn't mention it earlier um there is a there's a social scene that you definitely you, you typically associate with graduates because these people are coming out of university and you can imagine what a university sort of student culture is like okay so if these students are going straight into you know pwc and they're now students at um you know on the graduate scheme and now they're getting paid they've got more money to spend and so you typically have you know things like friday night friday evening drinks for example and and, and social events might revolve around going to pubs and clubs etc I think that there is a way of tactfully avoiding those. And I think there's more awareness growing um, in the big four as they, again, as I say, diversify their workforce. There's more awareness growing of where, um, you know, um, social activities might exclude certain types of employees. Okay. And it's not just Muslims that get, that get put off by drinking and, and the alcohol scene. So there is an effort now, you know, sometimes just to have social events that are, you know, not connected to alcohol, maybe just going out to a restaurant for dinner um, and then going to a pub afterwards, you know, <laughs> but you can, you can go home before the pub part of it, I suppose. So I think there is awareness of that. And there are also um, Muslims in uh, senior roles in offices as well. Okay. So um, at my, uh, during my time, there were some quite high profile partners that were Muslims. Um, so they represent our sort of, you know, our outlook uh, at the more senior level as well. So yeah, my general answer to that is, is yes, that there's, there's flexibility in, in uh, practicing your deen. Thank you. Uh, next one here is, are um, accountancy exams relevant for all service areas? Um, I'd, I'd say not all, I'd say not all. 
Um, but I think with the tax tax uh, department, you'd qualify on the graduate scheme, you'd, you'd still do your chartered accountancy exams. Obviously for audit, you do the chartered, chartered accountancy exams. For actuarial services, they have their own set of exams that qualify you as, a, as an actuary. But it's worth looking at, looking into this. Sorry, I don't have the sort of detailed information for each of the departments, but you definitely find that on um, the websites for the, the big four and, and the other sort of professional services firms as well. Okay, sure, thank you. The next one is, how does having a master's in accountants, accounting and finance help your chances of getting into a graduate scheme with the big four? Um, it would, it would uh, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say that it improves your chances. Um, it proves that you have an interest and um, it, it, that it, it, um, it gives you some sort of financial knowledge and background. Okay. Um, so you can maybe leverage that um, if you sort of say that, okay, with this experience that you've got or this knowledge that you've got from um, doing the financial account or, or doing the financial sort of studies, um, what you've done with that, you know, maybe, you know, you might have set up your own business or, or you can maybe sort of show some insight that you, that you have uh, from that knowledge around sort of, you know, the um, uh, current affairs in the, in, in the industry or the economy, for example, and show that you're actually putting the theory to some use. Um, so that's maybe how it would help with your application. Once you're, once you're actually in the scheme itself and doing your chartered, chartered accountancy exams, having some relevant um, degree level um, qualifications would exempt you from some exams. Okay, so I hadn't mentioned that before, but sometimes you do get some exemptions uh, from exams because you've done uh, some accounting related modules at university or some business related modules at university. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, so now, now we. Uh, so I think you did mention about the interview process. So uh, I think the question here is, if you have any disabilities such as a stammer during your application process, does that help or does that hinder the process? And and do you have to disclose it if you uh, if you was to? Um, yeah, I definitely think it would not uh, hinder your process. Okay, I don't think it would necessarily help either. Um, but the companies will be very accommodating. I'm sure during application, I mean, almost um, all applications now will, will have a box around whether you have any disabilities or not. Um, uh, so they can cater for your needs, whether you're in a wheelchair, etc. If you have a stammer, make them aware. Um, and then they will sort of, you know, be understanding of that. Uh, and, and work around it. I've worked with people that had disabilities. I can't remember working with anybody with a stammer, but I don't see why that would be a problem. Um, I remember um, uh, at PwC on the, on the training scheme, there were some other trainees that had, they were, they were in a wheelchair, sort of, you know, uh, full, full term because they couldn't walk and they, they did work perfectly well in, in, the, in PwC. Um, so, and I think generally, generally that the larger corporate companies, um, they not, that they just are, but they have to be accommodating for people of, of all types and, and disabilities as well. Okay, sure, thank you. Uh, so so this is about the application process now. Uh, if the application needs to be completed the year before graduation, how do you monitor when the application opens or closes? Um, there's information on the websites. If you, um, if you go on the website, um, then uh, I guess if, you, if you're looking at it beforehand, then you'll know when the deadline is. Usually, um, let's say uh, for a September start, so we're in 2020 now, if you wanted to um, 
apply for this September 2021 start, um, then the jobs would the the application would open on the website more than 12 months before. So maybe around you know July, August time, the applications uh, online would, would have opened. Um, now we're just at the start of November. They might have just closed now, or they might be closing very soon. So it's worth checking. Okay, thank you. Um, how do we find examples of questions on which one needs to prepare for the interviews itself? Um, so typically when they when you get um, the information and you get invited for an interview, um, the firm will give you some um, clues and some indication around what kind of questions you might be asked and what kind of things to prepare. Um, also, I do some I do some reading um, on I know when I was um, uh, preparing for my interviews, um, just the uh, the PwC website was very helpful. Um, they often sort of show you some clips about um, clips about interview questions, so um, showing you like a, a role play of an interviewer or interviewee, and and how what kind of questions are asked and what kind of answers are um, expected. So I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't underestimate the information that's available on the websites themselves. I think they they're quite useful, especially with the um, the graduate schemes. Okay. Oh, thank you. And so currently during the pandemic, are you aware if the uh, graduate process has changed or will that all be part of the application process and it will be noted on the website, I would have assumed? Yeah, sorry, I haven't looked at the actual uh, application process for this year, but I imagine, I mean, their, their offices are, are opening for business, like, you know, people are going into work um, if they need to. Um, so they, they, will, they will have adapted, but they will still be recruiting. Um, it might be that they have some online uh, interviews as well, um, and maybe some online group sessions like we, we are here on Zoom. Um, but um, I, I expect that you know if uh, you might you might have some interviews in person as well, no doubt. Okay, sure. And I think you did mention that in terms of the examination, uh, eighty percent of the people usually pass first time. But then if you have to reset, you have to pay for yourself. How many how many chances do they give you before they kind of say, okay, uh, you know what, bye-bye? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, usually they don't, they don't set a number. And if they do, then usually it is also flexible, depending on the rest of you as a person and your performance. Okay. Um, so like, like I said, I wouldn't worry that much. If you get into the big four, then almost certainly you'll pass the exam, you know, in at most two attempts. Okay. But I've known people to sort of do it for a third time or a fourth time. Okay. But they've been sort of, you know, still good trainees and, you know, their audit work is good. Maybe they've got, you know, if you have an excuse as well for, you know, why you haven't uh, passed one of the times, then they'll be understanding. Um, so, so yeah, th there's not always a hard limit, but also if you, if you are really struggling and, um, you're also a very bad auditor as well. And, and, you know, you've sort of upset people in the office, then they, they do terminate some contracts just because they feel like you don't fit in the firm. And also you can't, you, you might not be able to pass your exams. Okay, sure. Thank you. And then once, once qualified um, and completed exams, will you be contracted to stay at the firm for a certain time? Not at all. Not at all. Um, so once you've qualified, um, you can leave almost immediately. And you know what the good thing is? that um, somehow recruiters know that you've qualified. Okay, so you start getting, you start to start getting calls from recruiters to say, are you looking for a role outside of, 
you know, PwC, there's this role available here, internal audit here, management accountant here. So it, it, and there's, there's no obligation to stay. You'll get headhunted because uh, a lot of companies look, look for, you know, a newly qualified graduate to come in and join their team and, and work upwards, um, especially from the big four as well. Some companies specifically recruit for big four graduates. So, um, so yeah, if you don't want to stay, you don't have to stay. Some, some people leave immediately. Okay, sure. Uh, just one final question for me. Uh, I think we have uh, run out of all the questions from online. I think in, in the initial stages, you say that um, you have to do the first assessment, second assessment, but the key one here is to please the, the, the partner himself. If he's happy with you, then yeah. you know the, 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 the process becomes easier and you've got more chances. Any uh, uh, examples of what needs to be done to, in order to kind of make sure that you are that person who gets hired once you have that interview? Yeah, yeah, I think you know one of the one of the main things you want to get across is that you're a likable person. I think that you know that you'd get on with people in the office, you'd get on with with the partner themselves. Because, like I said, I think the training is really good and the, the college tuition is really good. Most people will pass their will pass the exams without much trouble. Okay, so in the interview, they're not really assessing whether you're going to pass the exams or not, because you probably will, um, and. Most people can put the hours in as well if they want to, right? But sometimes because you're working in teams pretty much all the time and you're working in, with, with lots of different teams and you're representing PwC when you go out to see a client, okay? You might be as an auditor, as a junior auditor, as a trainee, you might be on site um, at the client site for maybe two weeks, maybe six weeks, eight weeks, sometimes on the larger jobs, all right? You're, you're there for eight weeks, speaking to the client every day. Uh, but the partner might come out once or twice in that eight-week period. So the client rarely sees the partner. You're representing PwC when you're out there. And if you're not a likable person, then you're not giving, you know, you're not representing PwC very well. So really, they want somebody that, you know, has some personality, has maybe a sense of humor. Um, and that, that will impress that will impress the partner and, and make sure, you know, make you a likable person and an employable person as well. Thank you very much. Uh, so for, for all who are listening in there, you know this is this is a great opportunity. And if you think that uh, uh, someone needs to to go through this, and I highly recommend. It. And the reason why I say this is because I have not gone through the big four, but I usually deal with people are from the big four, and some of my colleagues usually are from big four. And the way you've the, the way you've said it, it kind of gives a, a brand to your CV. So definitely well worth it. Uh, I think that, that was it from uh, from a questions perspective. Uh, Farid by uh, off you go, please. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. MashaAllah, jazakallah, and thank you, Mubarak, for giving your time uh, tonight for this session. I had two questions. Uh, one was, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, when you were doing your graduate scheme, sometimes you had to stay till late. Now, is it something that is ongoing even after you've done this graduate scheme? It's just, you know, for people who want to get into it. Uh, you know, is it something like once you have done your graduate scheme or how, how often does this happen? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. It doesn't stop once you finish your graduate scheme. <clears throat> when, when, when you're staying late, you're staying late because you've got work to do. And, you know, your managers will have work. Your senior managers will have work as well. And don't forget, it would be unfair if I'm a manager or a senior manager. It'd be unfair for me to say to my team, you guys stay in the office until 10 p.m. I'm going to go home at 5. 
Um, so if the team has work, the, the managers and, and so more senior people usually stick around uh, for solidarity. And also they, they have work to do as well because the work is kind of shared. Whatever work you're doing as an, a junior auditor, they will be reviewing it and plus doing some other work on the client as well. So it doesn't get any easier. I've got friends that have, you know, um, gone up to being a senior managers and directors and they've, they've always worked very hard doing lots of long hours on uh, weekday evenings and some weekends as well. So the work doesn't get any easier at any stage, um, even after you qualify. So another question will be like, what will be your advice to especially, you know, uh, any students who are listening to you right now? they might be thinking in their mind, you know, they've just finished their graduation. What they expect is, you know, coming out of this, uh, uh, you know, this cycle of exams or studies. And then once they join these graduate scheme, again, they have to go through this process of studying and going through professional exams. So what will be your advice to them? <laughs> I think it's a good time to do more exams because you're in the, in the routine of doing exams, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I, I th you know, um, for, for me, certainly, doing the university exams were harder than doing these graduate scheme exams. Okay. Okay. Um, so the professional exams generally aren't, I mean, it's certainly for the chartered accountancy. They're not that hard in terms of the subject matter to grasp. Um, I found the exams to be more challenging in terms of the time pressure. And if, and, and, and I think they, they set it like that because the the the, the material is, is you can grasp it um so how do you make it challenging to to get you to do lots of work within a short amount of time okay so for that you need good exam technique to make sure you're getting the right marks at the right times and you don't waste your time writing lots of stuff that actually doesn't earn you any marks um but i think it, it's well worth it you, you do your exams within um two years just over two years in the training scheme um, and don't forget it's, it's in uh, short bursts as well so at university, you're studying for 12, uh, you know, not 12, not full 12 months, but you're studying full time, really, aren't you? Whenever at university, you're studying and you're doing exams um, at, the end of, at the end of each term or at the end of the year. Whereas if you're doing your professional exams, you'll have a few weeks of dedicated college study, at the end of which you do exams and then you'll go back to work uh, to do audit work for a few months until you have another sort of cycle of exams. So it's, it's in short bursts. It won't feel as intense as if you were going through university. Subhanallah. Uh, there's one more question just came to my mind and it was like many a times we're youngsters when it comes to deciding you know what career they want to get into uh, money becomes somewhere you know deciding factor uh, they would like to go in a profession which can compensate them well you know financially now when it comes to you know career in finance uh, can you just give them brief insight like how career progression can be of course you did cover slides on um, you know how you are compensated but still you know if you can just uh, you know shed a little bit of light on that in terms of career progression and how financially uh, you know you are compensated once you are in in finance field <laughs> yeah 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 of course um so really um it, it varies let's say you know i'm going to assume that we've gone through the graduate scheme here once you're a qualified chartered accountant where can your career go um and in terms of what, what what's your going to financial sort of um your pay going to be it can really vary depending on how ambitious you are okay um depending on how much you push yourself um and depending on the the firms you join and the mentors you have um, you can sort of start earning 
you know, you can get into the six figures, six, six figures, you know, within three or four or five years after um, having qualified. But you have to be really ambitious and you have to also have the opportunities given to you that aren't always in your hands. Um, also, you get some people that, you know, they're qualified, but they want a more settled job. They don't want to be putting lots of hours in and, you know, they don't want the work to dominate their life. And you can still, you know, you can get to sort of 50, 60K comfortably, you know, without working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so I'd say, you know, you need to sort of try to, try to find a balance between how much effort you want to put into your career um, and uh, how much money you think you need to earn. Obviously, it shouldn't all be about money, but we have bills to pay and, you know, families to support. But before that, of course, and Akilba, you can sort of, you know, say it better than I can, but when you're earning money, before you earn any money or before you sort of intend for higher salaries, intend to give some of it to Sadaqah before you sort of spend it on yourself. So inshallah, with that, you'll have more blessings in your uh, in your income. SubhanAllah. JazakAllah, mashallah. Uh, uh, you've con concluded on very good point like before you think of earning something even make your intention to give it in the way of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and again uh, one of the reasons why this hope initiative started was so that we take these uh, uh, professional careers so that this can strengthen our community you know any community or society is measured by the members of that society so if there are more educated people that community will be looked at with respect so jazakallah for your time uh, inshallah there's going to be another session in two weeks time and we are joined by brother shabir from preston who is going to deliver that webinar so shabir bhai can you just quickly mention what that webinar is going to be so that our audiences they can prepare themselves as well as they can pass on this information to anyone who can benefit from it over to you shabir bhai. Jazakallah khair. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Assalamu alaikum, uh, viewers and um, uh, participants. Um, uh, Mashallah Mubarak has uh, spoken um, in detail about the graduate scheme. Um, but in two weeks' time, and, and I've done two sessions already, a general careers overview, and um, I'm going to, to university. But... The third session, which concludes my three um, uh, sessions that I was going to uh, uh, do, is to finish off with apprenticeship, and it quite nicely fits in with uh, today's topic as well. Um, now, graduate schemes are at the higher end, higher level, um, but I'm going to talk about um, level two, level three, level four, so even school leavers can go into um, apprenticeships, uh, college leavers can go into apprenticeships um, and I know some of the questions that were asked today were based around apprenticeships anyway. Um, so I will just generally talk about apprenticeships for school leavers, college leavers um, and give you more insight into what are apprenticeships, how do they work, how do employers view these apprenticeships, what are your commitment as, a, as an employee, as an apprentice, what you should you what should you be doing, what the employer expects from you, um, and and then I will generally then talk about occupations. So I know today was about finance world, but apprenticeships tend to be um, in many many different occupations, from engineering to finance, <clears throat> to even sport, um, business, accounting, 
So there are different levels of apprenticeships as well in different occupations and, you know, how do you choose? And also I will make a slight comparison into if somebody's, and a lot of people still unaware or undecided about, should I go to college or should I go to university or should I go and get an apprenticeship? And people, young people are, are very confused. And I will give you some comparison into making choices, informed choices in terms of whether somebody should be choosing apprenticeships or whether they should be choosing university. Um, and it's not something that, you know, we as advisors can tell somebody, but I can give you as much information as possible and then uh, people can make informed uh, choices. So, so it's going to be in two weeks time, a general overview of apprenticeships um, and including higher apprenticeships. Um, and then I'll go into uh, uh, application process and different occupations.